bananas that it goes this way. What's up, LL Nation? We'll get to Notre Dame talk. I'll be giving you a list of visitors coming in to watch spring practices. Uh, it's a nice list. We'll get to that shortly. We're brought to you and featuring Anora Whiskey, AnoraWhiskey.com. It's that premium American whiskey, AnoraWhiskey.com. Um, yo, a lot of news broke today. Yo, the Rocky Mountains just got a whole lot prettier, boy. Russell Westbrook in Denver is kind of crazy, huh? Hey, I care less about Russ. I'm just talking about Sierras in Denver. That's all I'm saying. Oh, I mean, you think there's any, you think there's any money? A lot prettier. You think there's any money out there for her in Denver? More than Seattle? She's a little bit close. You would think she's a little bit closer to L.A. now. She's not as far north, northeast, I mean, northwest. It's probably the same distance flight. What do you think? She's definitely closer to Vegas because Dave Vegas is kind of in between both. So if she wants to go do shows in Vegas or something, there's money to be made. Seattle is kind of boring, though. Seattle has great high school basketball, great high school football, NFL football. The Mariners, they had a decent season, almost made it into the playoffs, but they've been pretty terrible over the last decade. I mean, and it's always raining. I mean, it's not much to do in Seattle, my man. I got I got family up there, big-time family up there, UW alumni, all of them, big-time UW alumni. And it's, it's a beautiful place when it's not raining. I don't know if you've ever been up there. I have. Bucket list for everybody. If like, it's raining all the time, what's up there for me? Bucket list, man. I think like going to a game when Washington, when Washington football is good, they have one of the best experiences on a Saturday. I stand by that. I stand by that. I went up there when I was a teenager and went to a game. It was one of the dopest experiences we took a boat to the game. We took a boat to the game and we docked. Damn. We docked. Walked to the stadium. Had a nice little area outside. Barbecue, ate, kicked it. Went in, watched the game, came out. Chilled on the boat. Everybody was just on the dock, chilling. Went back home. I mean, it was a beautiful fall, early fall day. So it was a great experience. Seattle area is cool, man. It's, it's They have some nice... Portland is dope to visit too, though. A lot of people sleep on Portland, bro. Like, if you've never been to Portland, it's a nice place to visit. And that, that part of Canada, like going across the border, that part of Canada is dope too. Mm. It's, it's dope too so the northwest man is a nice area man i'm sure sierra was probably ready to get out of there she's from the atl shawty i mean i'm i'm sure she was ready to get out of there yeah you know, i mean she, now, she definitely if wasn't you remember, thinking if you remember the bears were the team that made the offer last off season that's right if she had a preference she probably would have loved to get to chicago over denver 
She would have found a good place if she was in Chicago. Oh, if she had gotten to Chicago, she'd have been, yeah, she'd have been very happy. Very yeah, I mean, Chicago's got everything from music wise for to entertainment wise. She would have made she would have been comfortable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I I can see that. But so we're gonna get to Notre Dame recruiting some other things. But I want to talk about man. Big news broke today. Russell Wilson being traded to the Broncos. Aaron Rodgers getting 50 mil. Bears fans are losing their minds, bro, because they just knew Aaron Rodgers was out of there. Bears fans are losing their mind on social media today. Why would he leave when he's been doing that to the Bears? They are like, man, it's a wrap, man. I'm like, dude, if he's getting 50 mil and Devontae's getting 25, who else are they gonna pay? Yeah, I mean, shoot, they got the money for him. Yo, and he yo. definitely needs to retire a Packers, so I, I don't expect him to do anything different. Yeah, so but before we get to that, now I want to get to this and I want to parlay it into some of the things we see when it comes to college athletics, and then I want to see what you have to say. You know, um, news broke, of course, we know about the story coming out of L.A. where you are concerning Russell Westbrook and his wife and the death threats that have been made upon his wife and his family that have been certified by authorities. Um, uh, we all know that that's over the line. I'm, I'm not even that on that. This is, this is my issue, and, and I know it's an issue because of being at certain events, covering games, and playing basketball in the Chicago public school system in Chicago. I know what it's like to walk into a gym on the west side and to be shooting a free throw and um, vice lord travelers are under the bucket saying you hit this free throw, we we gonna whoop you after the game. You know what I'm saying? Like, so trash talk, dude, kids, you grow up trash talking on the court, dude. Professional athletes don't have a problem with trash talk. Professional athletes don't have a problem with fans booing, hissing, calling them trash, saying certain things. That stuff doesn't affect them. But it's gone a little bit too far. Let me tell you why it's gone a little bit too far. When the malice in the palace happened, the NBA took such a hard stance with the players that it emboldened fans to feel like them purchasing that ticket gave them free liberty to be able to say whatever the hell they wanted to say. And I tell people this all the time. People ask me, well, man, what's over the line? Anything that you wouldn't say to that man on the street in his face? It's over the line. See, I've been at games and I heard I've heard dudes in the first and second row call referred to as grown men as as bees. <clears throat> you wouldn't say that to that man on the street, but just because you have the protection of that ticket you bought and you know based upon the malice in the palace that players can't they don't want to risk losing money coming in the stands after you. You feel like you can say what you want to say. 
we already know what transpired in Utah with the racial appetites thrown at Russ in Utah. We just watched a nationally televised game about three weeks ago where they had to remove three fans from the second row from Philadelphia for saying something crazy. I'm all for pissing, booing, man, cracking jokes. If you do some research and you crack a joke or you know a girlfriend's name or something like that and you chant her name when he's shooting free throws or, you know, when they're getting ready to throw a pass as a quarterback, man, be creative. I'm all for it. But when you start mentioning somebody's mama or somebody's family, it's over the line, man. Yeah. When you start calling another grown man out of that name, and the only reason you're doing it is because you know there are no repercussions, you're a chump. You're a chump. Because whatever you're willing to say, be willing to say it to their face. That's all I'm saying. Whatever you're willing to say as a fan, be willing to say it to their face if they were standing in front of you. And if you're not willing to say it to their face, you might want to think about whether or not that's good enough to say. Fandom for me has gone a little bit too far, man. And I speak for myself, bro. When I go to these heights, I do. I love sports way too much, bro. I love sports way too much. You understand what I'm saying? I joke. Fans, do you I think that fans, fans' controversy makes sports what it is, though? Yeah, but I joke with you about LeBron James. But I promise you, when LeBron James used to come to the UC, I was the main person there watching in awe. And of loving. course, of course, of course. He was on Cleveland. I wasn't, dude. I this is me. I enjoyed the game. I don't have time to boo and hiss, dude. I don't have time to boo and hiss. I'm too concerned about making sure I'm cheering my squad on, man. I might make some noise throwing a free throw. I've been close enough where something I heard something said on the court, and I've been close enough that when somebody ran by, I said something about it. And a player would turn around and laugh or give me a look. That's his boss. You know, I have fun with it. I'm not about to call somebody out of that name, man. For what? And that for me, that's that's all I have to say. As far as this Russell Westbrook thing, man. Y'all can call that dude Westbrook. Boom. Do whatever you want to do. But I'm talking about big picture. I'm telling you where fandom has gone. I've experienced it from sitting in those seats. I've experienced it from press row. I know what's being said, and I'm telling you, it's going too far. It's going way too far. And one day, I'm telling you, one day, you're going to see a reincarnation of the malice in the palace. I'm telling you, if these leagues don't do a better job of recognizing what's happening uh, somebody, another fan is gonna catch it. I'm telling you, it's going to happen. It's you going so? to happen. Oh yeah, it's going to happen. I don't think it'll happen just because those right. guys are getting fined so heavy. They not, you know, going they gonna they gonna they gonna complain before it happens. All right, it's going to happen, dude. NBA Finals. You had an owner, a minority minority owner of the Warriors, straight push Kyle Lowry. 
Just push him in his chest like he was nothing, like he was chasing the ball, my man. You're an owner. If anybody should respect the players, it should be you. But you felt like you had the right to put your hands on this man? Yeah, it's crazy. I'm telling you, I'm telling you where it's headed. And when it happens, when it happens, you're going to get the phone call. And I'm going to say, <laughs> bro, I told you. I told you. I'm telling you what's being said in these stands. It's going too far. It's absolutely going too far. Go right ahead. I, you know, you, you sometimes, you know, you saw the shot where LeBron was talking about sometimes he looks in the crowd and looks for a hater for motivation. Yeah. I think that's just a part of the game. You know what I mean? If LeBron felt the same way as Westbrook, LeBron wouldn't be who LeBron is today. Just yeah. because how would he ever be able to ever play a game, yeah. right? People yeah. are talking stuff about LeBron every single day. So yeah. if LeBron can do it, you know, Westbrook, you just got to play better. No, no, I mean, don't, don't do that. Don't, don't, put the, don't hold those players to the level of LeBron. Everybody doesn't know. It's, 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 it's not the level of LeBron. It's just the fact that, Russ, you can, you can control how many turnovers you're getting in the game. No, he can't. That's why people – He's always turning the ball over. No, he can't. He's turned the ball over since he came into the league, dude. That's what people don't understand. He has been a turnover machine every year he's played in the NBA. Okay. That's what But you is. can't do that. You can't do that playing with LeBron and the Lakers. Let me ask you a question. Because that's going to be – LeBron has been the same subpar free throw shooter with every team he's going to, right? Right? LeBron's right? not – Crying because people are talking about his free throws, though. He knows his free throws is bad, no, but no, he's no. not taking the he's he's not taking the same effect that Russell Westbrook is taking from it. Like I mean, Russell Westbrook is even talking about people oh, talking about his last name, saying Westbrook. Like oh, I mean, you know how many? Dude, I said I said, dude, you can say that all you want to. Nobody care about that. He cares about that though. No, he but cares he about. Said, he think he cares about his wife and family getting threats. I mean, he can't control that either. That's why I'm saying, okay, so the thing is, it's like, okay, the only thing you can do to stop it is either play better or you can walk away from the game. I mean, it's just professional sports and entertainment, no different than politics. People going to have super passionate opinions about it, even though it makes no sense to be that encouraged by it but that's what happens with millions of dollars going into it you know what i mean i just think that he never complained when he was getting called the good names you know he never complained when everything was going right so it's just hard for a guy not playing well to use the effect of not playing well as a means of attacking people that he knows are people that aren't totally on the side anyway i mean he's if anybody he knows more than anybody that the fans are going to be fickle depending on you winning or not and he acknowledged he's been in it for 12 years this shouldn't be nothing new i think just the expectation has put a lot more pressure on him in the media and the unwarranted attention on his family but that's what happens when you play with brown brown man it's a high expectation to uphold that's why it's hard for him to get players now well, you know, a lot of players run from the expectations of being connected to 
LeBron James. And a lot of people run from there's some truths about LeBron James. One, if you are a guy that needs the ball, you don't need to play with LeBron James. Like if you need the ball for your game to flow, the only one that's done it was Dwayne Wade, and he had to take a step back. He even admitted, he even yeah. admitted I had to take a step back and let LeBron take the lead for this to be successful. But, but yeah, you know, there. once again, my my whole thing, like I said, coming from my former employer, being around events, and hearing up close what is being said. These fans have gotten way too comfortable. Way too comfortable. I don't have a problem with you saying Russell Westbrook. I don't care if you call him a bum. All of that. None of you are about to walk up to a man on the street and call him a B unless you're ready to throw hands. They wasn't calling him that yesterday, though. No, 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 no. You're not listening to what I'm saying. I'm telling you what I've experienced at NBA games, currently, I'm telling you what's happening. I think I'm, the Russell Westbrook thing, I care less. Uh-huh. I'm going to a bigger issue of something that's going to happen. Because what needs to be highlighted is that these fans have gotten a real chesty. Oh, they for sure. They haven't been checked since the malice in the palace. They haven't. And they know these players don't want to risk getting suspended and or fined. They Are know. you encouraging a malice in the palace? No, I'm telling you it's going to happen. If, <laughs> they, if it goes unchecked, I'm telling you it's going to happen. How do you think it should be checked? Because that means you got to tell if people. Did you see the incident in Philly three weeks ago? No, did I haven't. Did you see the incident in Philly three weeks ago? I missed it. Dude was in the, in the, in the first row. Right? Dude's in the first row. It was Philly and uh, Brooklyn. No, it was Philly and Miami. And some dude called Bam, called Bam Adebayo out of his name. And Bam turned and walked towards him and said, what? And dude stood up. Now, dude was about 5'8". 160 pounds, but he had somebody next to him that was a little bit bigger. So now he's talking. Bam turns to the referee and security like, hey, man, get this dude. Security comes over, kicks him out, right? Bam handled it the right way. Yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, you know. Somebody's going to catch the wrong play on the wrong night, bro. It's going to happen. I promise you it's going to happen. Some kid, some kid is going to have his dad's season tickets on the front row in his mid-20s. He's going to drink too much. He's going to get chesty with somebody from a visiting team, call him out his name, and it's going to be a problem. And then the player is going to be the one that's in the wrong. He's going to be the one that's probably going to catch a civil suit, and he's going to get suspended by the league, and he's going to get fined. Okay, I'm, I'm just telling you. But when's the last? Okay, 
do you think that this has just started? No, no, this happens every game. Now, every game in the NBA, there's a fool in there that says something over the line. Every single game. For years, though. Absolutely. Probably since the beginning of basketball. Wait a minute. How many years had it been since you had something in the stands before the malice in the palace? It had been years before what you they, had a brawl. What, what they've done to curb the issue is find the players tremendously to where they don't even think about it. They do the right thing. Like, damn, out of bio did it. Russ has done it. LeBron's even got the – in the middle of the game, done got the, the security to go take a fan out. So they doing it the right way. I just think it's just so hard to curb. Which, which, which leads us to – I agree with you. Which leads us to college athletes and fans on social media. Okay. Yeah, this is. I set it up perfectly. I knew what I was doing. Perfectly, you set I it up. I knew what I was doing. I'm a point guard. I saw the vision from the time we started. Yeah, yeah. I saw the play happening. This is where I wanted to get the whole time. The no look. Yeah. Yes. Look, man. Stop. Just stop. For what? If you want to crack jokes. On Michigan, you want to crack USC jokes? That's fine. But I see stuff being said about 18-year-old, 19-year-old's parents, people tweeting at parents of players. Dude, I'm it's getting way too comfortable. It's getting way too comfortable. And you know how youngsters are. I guarantee you it's going to be a youngster out there that's going to be like, all right, pull up. Pull up. It's just a dangerous game, man. And it's like a, a powder keg in the middle of the house and it's waiting to go off. And it's not going to be a good thing. It's just not. I don't know if it's going to go off in high school. I don't know if it's going to go off in the college ranks or in the professional ranks. It's going. Something's going to happen. Because there's social media and fans getting real chesty, talking real crazy. It's like just for us, man, the comments after the show that we take time to respond to. Dude, we have to calm fans down. Like, hold on, relax. <laughs> relax. Yeah. It's cool that you have that opinion, but you're a little bit too amped up about whatever we said during the show. You know, you feel a certain way about Marcus Freeman. Relax. That's cool. I don't care, man. I tell people all the time. At this point, at this point, if you didn't want Marcus Freeman to be the head coach of Notre Dame, there's nothing you can do about it right now. Nothing. Nothing. So are you about to sit in the corner and pout as a fan? Or enjoy the fact that this dude has the number one recruiting class? For the next cycle. At least for the next couple of years. For the next cycle. Like, enjoy the direction of the program as a fan. As a fan. As a fan. Like, why would you want to continuously put your mouth on the person that's leading the program? Why? Why? You know how I feel about the second best player in NBA history, but gosh darn it, if that dude didn't entertain me on Saturday night, he put on a show, and I loved it. I loved every minute of it, every single minute of it. I don't have to feel the same way about him that you do, 
but I love when he entertains me. Wait, wait, hold on. Feeling and facts are two different Dude, things. Let me flow. <laughs> to a point. But that makes a lot of sense, though. You understand what I'm saying? That makes a lot of sense. It's like, dude, it's a difference between like sometimes within the own fan base, it's ridiculous how many haters you have within the in the same fan base. How are you a fan of the team and still hating? Got the most to say. How? How are you hating on your own program? Your and own there's a difference team. between hating and wanting the program to be better. Dude. Hating on the program is just talking crazy. Everybody's crazy. stuck. Everybody needs to get fired. Crazy. Wanting the team to be better is maybe we need a different player. Maybe it's a scheme thing. Maybe it's some things we can switch <laughs> up. Encouragement. You can't be the opposite. It's crazy, bro. It's crazy. I'm sorry, man. We had to go this direction. We just spent it different. Our conversations are different. It's like, dude, just be a fan. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong. Just be a fan, dude. Be a fan. You got to. And it's, it's, you know, the other thing, too, is that it's hard to be a fan when you feel like you're on the team because you love the team so much. That's the thing with Notre Dame fans is that they're, it's a love or hate relationship with Notre Dame. There's no in between. So if you like Notre Dame, you are you might as well feel like you got a jersey Ooh. on with the team. So there's a different level of uh, belief that a, that a fan has than a, a team at that time has. You know, the fan got the tradition, the culture, all of that. But the team, you know, it's a up. It, sometimes you win, sometimes you lose, and people. I just don't see good losers out there, and, and fans are a part of that as well. It's like, dude, let's be real. The 22 recruiting class was ranked as high as it was, not because of the offensive side of the ball. Wait a minute, hold on. Let's be real. The 2022 recruiting class was ranked as high as it was, not because of the offensive side of the ball. It was because of the defensive side of the ball, which was headed up by who? Let's let's be real. The lead recruiter. Let's, Let's be real. And now the same dude that let that was the steer for that has jumped over and he's the lead recruiter for the entire program. And I went out on the limb yesterday and said, Notre Dame's gonna have the number one recruiting class in December. Firmly believe that. Yeah. Firmly believe that. You got people talking about Notre Dame's gonna be seven and six. Man. Not with the the people. That's that's people being spiteful because they didn't like the hire. Not even because they want Kelly back. They just didn't like the hire. They just didn't like the hire. That's true. Wait a minute. Because if Luke Fickle had become the head coach. Oh. Wait, wait, wait. Luke Fickle would not have coached in the Fiesta Bowl. He wouldn't have. He might have been in the booth, but he wouldn't have coached the Fiesta Bowl. Which means somebody on that staff would have coached anyway. right? Which would have been Marcus Freeman anyway. It doesn't matter. Marcus Freeman might have gone with, with Brian Kelly. If Luke he was coaching that Fiesta Bowl, 
Mike Elston, somebody's going to coast that Fiesta Bowl. Let me tell you something. The offensive line still stunk. Jack Cone was still who he was. C. Lou was still who he was. Team wasn't going to change. The team wasn't going to change. The team wasn't going to change. At the end of the day, at the end of the day, what's your job as a coach, bro? Coach, what you got? What's your and job as a coach? Coach, what you got to win games, man. Your job is to put your team in the best position to win. In the best position to win a game. Let me ask you, how many opportunities did Notre Dame have offensively to win the game in the fourth quarter? They had the last possession. No, no, they had the last two possessions. The last two possessions. That's right. They had some they crucial the turnovers. They should have converted in this in the points. Two. Yeah. They had the last two possessions to win the game. And every Notre Dame fan knows if they had been asked before the Fiesta Bowl, do you want the ball two times in the fourth quarter with a chance to win the game? I bet you everybody in this chat would have took it and would not have cared how it got to that point. I don't think they would have known Jack was at 61 passes at this time, but we would have been confident in the two drives to win. And this is what I'm talking about, man. This is why it's foolish after the Fiesta Bowl, people berating players, talking about players. It's like, for what? For what? Are you really that upset? Over a bowl game loss? Bro, I tell people all the time how tense I get during games. I make everyone in my house leave. <laughs> it doesn't get any more tense than that. It don't. But I'm not about to be tweeting players. Yeah, leader players. I'm not going through all of that, man. Life is leader. too good. Leave the players alone. They beat themselves up enough on Twitter. Life is too good. I'm way too blessed, man. I don't have time right. to use the energy to tweet players, call them out of their names, death threats, all that crap, man. Miss me with that. Fans have to be better. We just can't ask players to have thick skin. Fans have to be better, period. This is a joint venture. This is a joint venture. Fans have to be better. Your fandom has your fandom should have some some type of leash. You should have a leash on yourself. You know what I mean? I don't care if you go, man. Notre Dame takes a tough loss, or Nora Whiskey should have sold out after the Fiesta Bowl. If you took it tough, go to NoraWhiskey.com. Get you yeah, a couple of bottles. Yeah, get you get you a bottle, man. Get you a couple of bottles. <laughs> if you feel like Notre Dame's going to lose six games this year, that means you're placing six orders with a Nora Whiskey. Make it happen. This, I don't understand how we lose more than nine. I mean, we lose more than three games considering the team hasn't changed that much. If anything, we've only gotten better and in a better position than years before, and the team's talking better. The team has been talking like this even yeah. when we was undefeated. Even when we was undefeated, the team wasn't talking this crazy this early. I mean, we didn't even start spring yet. They talking about national championships. They talking about national championships. 
It's crazy, man. And <laughs> hey, yo, cats just man. So let me give you a list of some visitors, man, that'll be coming in. Uh, the first day of spring practice, our guy Carnell Tate will be there. Uh, Dante Moore is going to be visiting this spring. He has not given a date yet. Uh, also, everybody, I saw some comments yesterday. I saw some comments on our Twitter page. Dude, Dante Moore is not going to LSU. I don't care if he took a picture with Brian Kelly. Take it from us. Take it from my, my co-hosts who talks to the man. Dante Moore is not going to LSU. No. Book it. Book it. Ian Book. He's not going to LSU. Stop fretting over him visiting LSU. That's just that's just the name of the game. Everybody wants to take their officials and get their time in and get their visits in. You know, kids want to take those pictures in those jerseys too, you know. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Cooper Flanagan. He'll be here on April 8th. Uh, Vazina is still looking to visit, but it'll be it's pushed back a little bit. Julian Sayan and Jason Moore are finalizing dates to visit. Anthony Specker will be visiting April the 2nd. And Sullivan Abshner and Jaden Greathouse will be visiting for the Blue and Gold game. So those are some recruiting updates. Nice. And then a new uh, Tysir Denmark is also going to be visiting Notre Dame. So that's what we're talking about today. Like this, it's pretty important. Next 60 days for Marcus Freeman. This is, this is closing time. Because a lot of big guys on the board are pretty much making their last visits and ready to make decisions. They're ready to make decisions. So it's closing time for a lot of big guys on the board for Notre Dame. And this is where Marcus Freeman will truly establish establish who he's going to be. Is he going to be that guy? Is he going to be the closer, the ultimate lead guy in recruiting for Notre Dame over the next 60 days? We'll see if he can wrap up some of these big guys. Can he wrap up Dante Moore? Can he wrap up Carnell Tate? Can he uh, wrap up Devin Houston? Yeah. More. All these kids that are coming in in the month of March and April to watch practices and to go to the blue and gold game. We'll see. We'll see. And then on top of that, more importantly, bro, you know how it is. You have to continue to recruit the guys that have committed. That's the most important part, retention. Retention. Because it's so far out. Yeah. Yeah. You have to be able to retain. And from everything we've heard, everybody is all good. Even though kids are still acknowledging. But this also has to be a 10-win season, at least. To be have some retention in there because, you know, guys also are they want to go where it's hot. You know, mm-hmm. LSU picked up a lot of recruits the year they won. Yeah, and Alabama picks up recruits every year because they in the finals every year. Yeah. So if we get close. That's going to help retain that class. That's 
looking to be in the championship at least two of the four years here. Yeah. And then y'all stop fighting in the chat too, man. We're just having a conversation. <laughs> stop fighting in the chat. It's just a conversation. But we do both, man. Everybody needs to be better. Because this, this college football experience should be utopia. Win or lose. Like, being a fan of Notre Dame should be utopia. Like, right. good with the bad. Like, one of the things we have a great time talking with your former teammates about is the tough losses. No, sure. Stories from those tough losses. Like, yo, there's some good you can pull out of that as well. Like, you don't want to lose, but hey, it is what it is. Let's go to some comments right quick. <laughs> Bro, you want to make this announcement like what we're going to have with us in South Bend? The weekend of the legacy. The weekend of the legacy is going to be jam-packed. A lot of Enora events going on. We're going to do some Enora booths. We're going to tailgate with Enora. And we'll also be able to set up shop in town, maybe do a something at Brothers across the street from the stadium uh, They or CJ's. And uh, make sure y'all get in there, man. We all have a lot of connectivity and networking going on. And it's all about the Irish and celebrate with the Nora whiskey. That lucky lefty bourbon is taking over South Bend. No doubt. And we're going to have some stuff there, some apparel for you all to buy as well. Oh, my gosh. Apparel is dropping soon for the Lucky Lefty podcast. That LL, I know y'all been wanting it. We're bringing it to you to the front, though. We're bringing out all our favorite quotes, the screen poppers, the LL Nation, the MF era. It's all coming to you guys. We love the support. So we're going to be rocking out, man. We're really going to form something huge here. <laughs> Chad, Del V, Del Preet said, uh, <laughs> the picture was kind of crazy, man. Did you see it? It was a little weird. You it know, was BK, weird. It was wow. weird. For these photo shoots, man. He 0 for yeah. 3, isn't he? For these photo shoots, 0 for Yeah, 3. he hasn't hit on one yet. He, I don't think he's got anything right. Are you shocked? I'm very interested because you have – some type of connection to Jaden going back to 11 on 11 and I mean, seven on seven. Were you shocked that he chose LSU, especially after they convinced Miles Brennan to stay? No, I think it was a great opportunity for Jaden to kind of get out of a stagnant situation with Arizona State. Mm -hmm. because he was a three year starter, not really making too much headway in the Pac 12, which if you're trying to get to the league and you're struggling to be the main team in the Pac-12, then you got a lot of work cut out for you. So I think this is a fresh restart, and it's a it's a smart decision because a lot of people wasn't expecting him to walk away from a comfortable situation. But the reward down in LSU, he's probably seeing the same path as like a Joe Burrow, mm -hmm. a team that probably needs a, a veteran established guy. Yeah, Great opportunity in the SEC. You know, you go in there, you start, you beat Alabama – you put yourself in the mix, you know, for that draft class. So I think that's his idea is like taking a a next level up, a next step up. So you can't really blame him. You know, I think there was nothing left, kind of like how Brian Kelly left Notre Dame. It was just nothing left for him to really get out of it, the situation. Yeah. Then a championship, which is harder to come by than to go somewhere more yeah. available. I feel the same way, Demetrius Rex. Thank you for tapping in. Do you think Dante visits – when Dante visits, I'm sorry, it will be a less talk commitment type of visit. 
at this point, every phone call from Tommy is to, let's talk commitment. Like we've been we've been having that conversation for like the last last month or so. Like, yo, what's good? The one thing we do know is the relationship is established. Oh, so man. if anything, it's about locking in the deal, signing that that dotted line. Yeah. But also continuing to 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 see if this is the right fit. I think this season is going to be important to showcase what type of offense we can bring. Mm -hmm. Having a Dante watching and even developing a Tyler Buckner, I'm sure Dante being wise in this game of recruiting, yeah. he's going to see what is Tyler looking like when a whole year is dedicated to him and this is his first year really starting. Yeah. So, another, uh, CJ Charles Jagasaw just hit me. He's going to be coming in for the blue and gold game. And just today, he was crystal balled for Notre Dame by a couple of publications. And I wrote a piece on Irish Breakdown about a month ago. Number one player in the state of Illinois, big-time offensive tackle. Notre Dame was the first school in the door when the, when the period opened in January. Like, his school cut the lights on, and Notre Dame was, like, in the door. And his coach, Coach Judon, Judon A, says Notre Dame has done an incredible job, incredible job. So that's another – dude, now people – dude, I'm telling you, it's going to continue. I keep saying Notre Dame is going to have the number one class. I, I firmly believe that. The way things are trending, it's going to be a great December when everything is announced. It's going to be a great December, a great signing period, I think, too, yeah. just because, you know, just the celebration of what this season can conclude in at Notre Dame with Marcus mm -hmm. Freeman having one year under his belt and then to come back with a nice combo and have a number one class the following year. I mean, it's going to look a lot different than the Fiesta ending of last year, for sure, by yeah. year three. Yeah. We thank Brandon Plinser for tapping in. Sean, is it worrisome that Carnell is visiting Ohio State for an entire weekend visit and Notre Dame for just one day? Or is it Tate going to possibly stay longer than just St. Patrick's Day? Uh, when I talked to him Sunday night, he basically told me he'll be at the first practice on the 17th, and then he'll cut down his list on the 21st or the 22nd. So as far as how long he's staying in South Bend, I don't know. Notre Dame, look. We got to sit back and relax when it comes to Carnell Tate. It's either Ohio State or Notre Dame. That's it. All right? This is the thing. And he told us when we sat down with him, his first offer from a school was Notre Dame. The young man has been to Notre Dame eight times, bro. Eight. Eight times. You don't come back to a place eight times unless you like the place. He probably got a room already as many times he's been up there. Yeah. He's he probably showing other recruits where to go. Absolutely. Like, he's, he's talking. Most recruits talk to the committed players, right? This man told us he talks to Drew Pine. <laughs> he has a relationship with a current quarterback. And talks to him. That's what yeah. he told us in the interview. I wish he would have said Tyler, but, you know. 
He's he he's he's friends with a guy that's friends with everybody. Him visiting goes back to before Tyler was on campus. Oh yeah, he's been going that many times for sure. Yeah, he was visiting his sophomore year, and Drew was one of the guys that hosted him. He connected with Drew. They kept communicating. They still communicate. It's Notre Dame or Ohio State for different reasons. It's for Ohio different. State. It's Ohio State. Let's be real. It's Ohio State because Ohio State has done a fantastic job producing NFL wide receivers. Period. You can't deny it. That's it. I mean, that's, I mean, he looks at that room and it's similar to why Alabama's getting got. Yes. Every year. It's because, I mean, it's hard to deny the fact that you're definitely going to play for a championship. You're definitely mm-hmm. going to play in the playoffs. And you definitely have an opportunity to play in the NFL. And Ohio State right now in that receiver room, they got that magic. So it's going to be hard as a recruit, especially a top recruit, with Ohio State wanting you to just not at least pay attention to it a little bit. The only reason, the only reason Notre Dame got back in the picture with Carnell Tate is because of Tommy Reese and Marcus Freeman. Carnell Tate was ready to pull the trigger late 2021. And the trigger wasn't for Notre Dame. He was ready to pull the trigger. And the dynamic duo got Notre Dame back in the picture. And back to a point where I would say it's really neck and neck. Where he wakes up one day and his heart is in one place and he wakes up the next day, and his heart is in another place. So, look, stuff like that, how can you not be excited as a fan, man? I I don't understand. We'll see. Yeah, it's hard not to be, you know. Yeah, Colin Park, isn't Keon visiting the last weekend of March? Keon is still, of course, I think Ryan put up something on Keon with scheduling and I'm not sure when he's going to get to town or how many days he's going to stay. But I did, I talked to Drake Bowen uh, yesterday, just checked in on him as he's preparing for baseball. And he said, he pretty much alluded to a lot of guys being at the blue and gold game. Cause this is that worst where I'm looking forward to, getting up there with the rest of the guys and the other big-time recruits coming in. That that legacy weekend, dude, get your phones out. Make sure you got enough memory, boy, because you might, you might want to have the video recorder out to record some epic moments. No, in fact. Facts. Facts, for so sure. In April 23rd. April 23rd is going to go down, man. It's going to go down for sure. Thank it's going to be so exciting. Chill, thank you for the sticker. Chill, 21777. Thanks, chill. We appreciate you. You know, Mike, would you like to see that, bro? Because I think that was for one of the Shamrock series. Would you like to see the return of the the numbers on the side of the gold helmet? I don't know. I think it's... It depends on the uniform. The uniform, but what does the decal look like? 
it's hard to put anything really on that Notre Dame logo, that Notre Dame helmet, yeah. because the gold just stands out so much. Now the jerseys yeah. you can do all type of different things with. That when they did the white helmets that had the shamrock on the side, it wasn't a gold helmet; it was more metallic colored. So yeah. even that, it was different. Yeah, Michael Jenkins hit us up. Thank you for tapping. He said, "Y'all gonna have a merch for the Big Brothers? We got you, Mike." Hey, you already know we Big Brothers ourselves. You know we we, we ain't huge, you, but we definitely yeah. big. Uh, this is funny. You want to laugh? You want to laugh? You want to? I'll give you something to laugh at. Okay, you ready? Hit me. One, two, three. Oh yeah, that's a joke. That's probably the best <laughs> joke. That's the best joke on here. If if Kelly steals Dante somehow, <laughs> of Ohio State or Notre Dame, that hundred million went to a good thing. But I don't think that he can pull that magic. He hasn't been pulling magic since he got there. So I definitely don't oh. think it's Dante. Oh, dude, man, your sources are awful, Doctor Carl. Dr. Carl, you've been listening to some USC people or something. That's a horrible source. Whoever told you that, they're awful. That source ain't doing their job very well, man. for sure. Woo, man. Tracy Ponce, thank you for tapping in. Recruiting idea, we can have quarterbacks week. All former Notre Dame quarterbacks come to Notre Dame for a game week sideline access. See the last part, solid access. We ain't had that in about <laughs> so that's all you gotta say is solid access. Well, now we don't need it during the game. You know, I want to sit down like the rest of them, but solid access before the game, it's a must. You know, we gotta get the pictures and everything, we gotta get right. Colin Park, he's throwing in, throwing out his guesses, his predictions. Keon, Dante, Carnell, and Pimba, Jagasaw, Drake, Peyton, and Jason Moore. What are the odds we land all of these guys? I say 50%. I think we'll get half. Well, I think we'll get half. Oh, is that Peyton? I think we'll get. I think Peyton is a link, is a lean right now. Drake, I think Drake too. I think we got five out of the one, two, three. We got five out of the seven. Oh, five. Five of that's eight. Those are eight. eight. One, two, three, four. Yeah, eight. Yeah, five, I think we five. We playing spades here, so I'd say five and impossible. Right? Out of the eight. Yeah. I five. think we get I think we get five for sure out of the eight. Just because I think that the 2023, that's 2023, right? Mm-hmm. I think because the class itself is strong, they're going to hold each other together in a lot of that and be recruiting, especially if any of them have interest and say two or three of them commit, they're going to do a good job of keeping those other guys committed as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I rock with that. Let's see what Brandon has to say. ND needs to win the tape recruitment and it goes beyond just tape. And his talent as wide receiver is about the trajectory of the program and locking in top players from right in our backyard. Well, we did a full show on the nexus between the Notre Dame recruiting at quarterback and how it impacts a wide receiver. Room. 
And the most important recruit in that is number five. He just is. He just is. It's important to solidify a quarterback in the class because without that, it's just hard to operate from an offensive standpoint, especially when you're trying to recruit other dynamic pieces on that side of the ball. But even having a top quarterback in the class offensively helps the defensive side because that's going to add value to the class. It's like, man, it's hard to not go with the number one in your class because you know they're going to have something special at that school regardless, especially if you believe in the guy. So defensively, you want to be there, especially to have a good relationship to build the class out in totality. I think a lot about when Jalen Smith was being recruited through the all-star games and stuff, mm-hmm. had no name high on his list. And I remember talking to him uh, before he committed and after and just what the effect of having a quarterback, having an influence, talking about, I'll be the captain of the O, he'd be the captain of the D. You know, that was, that was huge, you know, but I knew that the class structure and what we had going as a unit was impactful to attract a lot of, you know, big time players in that free agency period. What position on the defensive side of the ball do you think has that type of impact? I'm thinking like, what position do other defenders look at and say, yo, I want to play with that dude. I'm waiting for that dude to sign the seed. Nowadays, I think it's more driven social media wise in terms of, you know, guys are checking those lists of who's coming to camps and seeing their rival stars and two, four, seven numbers and ratings. Mm-hmm. I think defensively it starts there. Offensively, I think guys are a little more strategic because they know the ball got to get thrown to them. So yeah. naturally they're looking for who's the guy that's going to get it to them or hand it to them. So I do think that offense is, is a little easier to understand defensively. I think it's just about having your boys, guys that you clicked with along the recruiting trailer at camps that got similar offers. Y'all just kind of chopping it up. Nowadays, you're doing seven on seven. So there's a lot of uh, connection there where guys are like, you know, we playing well together because they select teams like AU. Yeah. It's getting it's getting kind of crazy. But I do think this is all in a good direction for uh, having stronger recruiting classes moving in. You know what I see a lot of? I see a lot of wide receivers and DBs really connecting on that seven on seven. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's such a good relationship just because of social media, man. I mean, they've been everybody wants to highlight tape. Yeah. Everybody wants to link up with these influencers meeting at these parks. And everything is one-on-one, DB and receiver. It's not like O-line, D-line, linking up in the park on random days and going against it, which is kind of weird if you think about it. But receivers and DBs is more like how you play a one-on-one in basketball. You go out to the park and kind of taking reps. But, you know, I think just training, too, being much more heavily involved these days, kids are much more uh, wanting to just go out and play football every day. You know, they want to go out there and – Throw the pill and, and and get better because they see what these scholarships are bringing and it's hard to get get around that. Yeah, because I saw a couple of guys that are still on the board as far as DBs for Notre Dame that Carnell retweets a lot of that stuff. He retweets a lot of this stuff. And Peyton Wood Woodyard is is one of them. 
they have a really good relationship. So, you know, if Carnell does go ahead and choose Notre Dame, that that could heavily influence Peyton. That's a relationship there. Not necessarily yeah. offensive, but it's like LSU has turns out wide receivers, right? Mm-hmm. Guess what else they turn out? Defensive backs. Yep. Right? Alabama turns out wide receivers. Guess what else they turn out? Defensive backs. It's the same thing with Ohio State. Now, we can debate how good they are once they get to the league, but it's like the relationship, it's it's a pretty good relationship because of seven-on-seven. Seven. I think they get to play against each other. They know who's good. They have discussions. And even though they're competing, they form these bonds, and then you add social media into the mix. And voila, there you go. Yeah, no fact, no doubt. I think just the game is evolving yeah. and, and and expanding, especially with football being almost all or it is all year round now with the USFL, the the XFL, you got the league, you got the spring league, you got college football, high school football. So now that football has become 365, it's much more to do and much more things to be a part of, which is making the game better. But I do, like I said, think it's making it uh, – you got to be more involved. It's just a lot more involvement you got to have in recruiting. Like we watched yesterday where it talked about knowing the guys 21 through 100 is different than knowing the top 20 guys front and back. Matt Painter, yeah. It takes a lot of talent to know 21 through 100, especially on a, on a way where you're getting a kid that fits what you're doing. You know, So I think that is a great lesson for college football that these coaches should think less about leaving schools and more about building those schools that they are up. A lot of coaches in the MAC do that. I think that's why they get such a big jump from a MAC to a big time uh, D1 offer or opening. Yeah. yeah. Just because they've been at these MAC schools for six, seven years, building them up and getting a good team. And, you know, you see them pop out every now and again playing against the Texas or something in the bowl game. And, you know, the crazy thing is you have a kid like Dante Moore and his influence is also Notre Dame hasn't gotten a public school kid from Detroit since. It it doesn't go all the way back to the bus. There's somebody else. I think somebody like during your time was like the last public school kid to come out of Detroit. Dalen or Khalid? Um, Dalen was the suburbs. Khalid Khalid. was the suburbs. Public school. We're talking public school here. Because the public schools in Detroit normally are a pipeline straight to Michigan. Michigan. (laughs) Straight straight pipeline. I don't think we really recruited public schools in Detroit, though, in general. Because all the kids we did get from Michigan were from Catholic schools. Catholic schools. Majority. Like, I was, I even went to a Catholic school. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe that plays into it. Um, but with that recruiter, Marcus Freeman, it don't matter. You know, he's getting players no matter where you're going. Man, he's sitting down at the big boy table. You know what I mean? He's sitting at the big boy table like, yo, I want all of them. Mm-hmm. Absolutely all of them. And that means something when you got somebody like Jacob Oden sitting there in 2024, Amari Snowden in 2023, 
Dude, I everybody, everybody, when we're done, go to Huddle and watch the film on Amari Snowden and Jacob Owen. I swear they're the same player. <laughs> where are the same player? Six two, six three, long. You look up. This is bro. This is in the same game. Same game. Amari Snowden. This dude is running a post, catching it for fifty yards. Then he switches over, and he's playing bump and run at cornerback. Then, like the next series, he's playing single high safety. Yeah. It's like the versatility. You see the type of players they want on defense, intelligence, versatility, instincts. Marcus Freeman knows what he's doing. This staff, they know what they're doing from a recruiting standpoint. And getting Dante Moore, getting Dante Moore, a public school kid, will parlay into the rest of those kids. That's right. It's That's right. The rest of those kids. That's why, especially if you're talking about sealing off a number one class. The defense is clearly talking national championships, and these are the recruits. Get a guy like Dante. You're going to start hearing the offense talk just like that too. Man. Oh, Lucky Lucky Podcast. Featuring presented to you by Nor Whiskey. Norwhiskey.com. It's that premium American whiskey. Norwhiskey.com. Ty B. Thank you for the compliment, compliment, my brother. Uh, Philip Wright, I'm not sure. I do. They have communicated before. And just to tease, Kyle Hamilton's going on the petty train, my brother. <laughs> I had to put him on there. I had to put him on there. Not Kyle. <laughs> Johnny S., off topic. And I don't know if this was discussed. Go ahead, bro. Give your input. They gave up a lot, bro. Uh, it's just a, it's a little bit of a surprise because I didn't think that Russell would be wanting to go to Denver. I think he sees obviously what Tom Brady saw in Tampa as in a team that really sitting on a lot of talent, but they just couldn't figure it out the year before. I think a guy as experienced. As Russell Wilson coming into it with the amount of how deep they are, they didn't lose as many as receivers. They lost Noah Fant, which was a that's a big a, that's a big dude. That's if they had kept him and got Russ, but they kept all the other receivers. You know, oh, which is facts, facts, yeah, yeah. Which is which is what you want to ask for. I mean, if anything, you Russ isn't going to a an empty nest. You know, he's going in there with something to work with guys that. Gonna give him a chance, and in the draft, you know, you could take a stab at getting somebody at least on the up and up as a tight end that can fill in those places. And with Von Miller talking about, he may want to come back to uh, Denver. I think it's shaping up for them to be a threat in a division that you know might be the best division in football next year. You think so? You got Russ, you got Carr, you got Patty, and you got Herbert. That's stronger than Lamar, Baker, Burrow, and Mason Rudolph. Or Dak, Jalen Hurts, cousin, uh, Dak, Jalen Hurts, Jones, and, and whoever Washington trying to get. 
I hate to say it, but you know, this all comes back. And there's no reason to really talk about it until the legal stuff is ironed out. But Deshaun might decide that, dude. Wherever he lands, you know, hey, they might have let Russ go to give themselves an opportunity. They picked up two first-rounders. They might parlay those two first-rounders right into, you know, they might be going after him. Somebody's going after him. We don't know who yet. We don't know when he's going to be reinstated either, though. That's the problem. That's why I say it's really not even worth talking about until the, the legal stuff is – the thing – this is the thing. It's not criminal. No. It's just civil. So mm-hmm. at the end of the day, it might be as simple as cutting a check. Yeah. It might end up it being us. That check getting cut is not going to be nice to him. Oh, no. No, 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 no. I mean, but my man has still been getting paid. He should. Because <laughs> it's civil. It ain't no criminal offense. My man is still getting paid. And it's yeah. like, hey. I can't be too upset. No, you can't be mad at him. But he got to be in the league. You know, he's going to add value to the league that's very talented with young quarterbacks. He's becoming a a vet in the game himself. So, yeah. Thank you for that, Colin. You guys see that, LL Nation? They are cousins, which makes me feel feel even better. Well, that makes six then because Peyton Woodyard was the push for me. So I'll go six in a push now. Off of those list of eight guys. Yeah, I think Andre Neely. Yeah, Al Golden is has historically been a a great recruiter. We we definitely have put the the, assembled the right team together for a first year coach, especially that's better than average. I think even though we haven't been able to see him in action just yet. There's no way you can tell me this is a team that's going seven and six based off of what we've been covering so far. Mm. I mean, give me your your floor record. I got us at eight games with the with the ceiling falling on top of us. I think eight games yeah. is probably yeah. the worst case scenario. I just find it hard with the talent. That's like with us losing that all the games that I would think would be a little more competitive yeah. and then us losing a the game we shouldn't lose, you know. I can see that. I can see that. But that's still for a first-year head coach at Notre Dame coming after the winningest coach in Notre Dame history, it's not bad. Now, I think that if people respected Brian Kelly a little bit more, the weight of coming after the winningest Notre Dame head coach of all time would be a little different. But that that's not, I don't think, in the the forefront of what Marcus Freeman is going into. Yeah. I don't think he's like losing sleep, being like, man, I gotta follow this up, you know. <laughs> nah, I don't see that either. You already know what time it is. Petticoat. Petty, petty, petticoat. Pet, petty, petty, petty.
It's time to get petty. Oh, we did a good job executing. Are you upset with something? And fire up the Petticoat Junction train. I just don't like you. You don't? No. What is today's petty historic Petty Junction? Junction each and every day right here. Petty stories of the day. So breaking news, Notre Dame news, Bears offensive lineman for, for, former Notre Dame center Sam Mustafer was just tendered a one-year deal from the Chicago Bears. So. Man, that's right, man. That's my center Sam, man. I remember him coming in. Just always been eager to get some snaps, you know, before practice. Real, real deserving, man. He stayed and got my man right before he took off. Yeah. Now that's all you can ask for, man. Real happy for my guy, Mustafa. And he was a, he's an engineer. He was one of the few guys on the team really doing it. Super smart guy. Yeah. A lot of love for my guy, Sam Mustafa. Shout out to you, man. So we talked about it a little bit earlier, man. And I brought it all the way full circle. All the fans that go over the line, man, I just have to put you all on the petty train. Got to. Got to. Come on, man. Clean it up. Players need to be thicker skinned. Fans need to relax, enjoy, especially Notre Dame fans, man. Stop being pessimistic. Good grief. It's March 8th, for Christ's sake, man. Be happy. You got a lot to be happy about if you're part of this fan base. Kyle Hamilton, Petty Train, had the nerve to sit there and tell Colin Cowherd that he feels like he can take Steph Curry one-on-one. Look, man. Look here, bro. I understand you're long and lanky. Bruh, you might not even score, especially if it's make you take it. Steph, Steph is getting paid millions of dollars <laughs> to make sure guys can't block his shot or but guard. You know that's the dream, right? All football players want to be hoopers, and all hoopers want to be football players. Say a regular NBA player, though. You know, I mean, like, I feel like if you're going to gash yourself in these interviews and stuff, don't pick somebody or somebody like that. Yeah, let it be a comparable player. You, you shooting for. The top of the top, Joe Harris or somebody. Go ahead. Yeah, that's the, it's just it's just no respect. Not that he can't, you know. I no, he can't. You know, ain't nobody off the street. Pick Tristan yeah. Thompson or somebody. Man. Yeah, like come on, man. They be. I know if I was LeBron or Steph or like Tom Brady or one of these all-time greats, I'm like, what's what's with all these people just thinking that I'm just some chump out here? I'm the first. Right. First thing that come to mind for people is me. It's like, what do you mean? I'm a seven ring team. Like, you know, like, I'm a Clay Thompson and his cast after his Achilles surgery. Yeah, they, they be <laughs> shooting for the king already. Like, good. where's the respect? You know, where's the respect right. in sports? Guys don't show that no more, man. Yeah, just like, man I'm better than LeBron. Like, he was feeling himself. LeVar Ball saying his son better than Steph Curry. Like, I'm like, uh. 
<laughs> he was feeling himself. He was feeling good about the combine. He had he to go put on a show. He was feeling good. He let Colin bait him. He's like, yo. I think and I Colin baiting him, too. You know, Colin going to bait him. Yeah. Like, yeah, I can, I can take stuff. I can take stuff. Like, come on, man. Come on, bro. Steph, I have too many points for you even check up. Man, you check up. He already got 15. He ain't hit no five threes right there in your face. That's dude. That's like when you know you're playing some good. If you if you playing a hustler on the pool table, you better break. Because if you let him break, you're gonna be standing there holding the stick for a long time. Seriously. <laughs> Seriously. Like if you if you really think you can take Steph, you better win the coin toss, my friend. You better get the ball first. Yeah, I just think it's just like man, they Steph looks so civilian. That's probably why people just think, oh yeah, I can lock Steph up. I can just you know get in front of him because he's such a cool guy. You know. Now I will say this: I used to get a lot of ridicule because I always said Steph wasn't a hooper. I was like, Steph is extremely skilled. He's not a hooper. And people used to be like, man, that's disrespectful. I'm like, no, no, no. You have to understand what it means to be a hooper. Right? Like, you see Steph numbers after Draymond Green got hurt and went out. You see how, how, how much his shooting percentage has slipped? Steph and Clay and Draymond, they know that system like the back of their hand, dog. And it works, it works so well. And anytime a cog in that system is missing, it impacts all of them. So, so what do you say? So, I'm saying Steph, is not, uh, Steph uh, is not a dude that's just about to come out and just go get 40, dude. Huh? No, not not on a nightly basis. Who's getting 40 on a nightly basis? Oh, it's a lot of cats that are going to run like that. Well, maybe not 40. 30. Have you seen seen Steph's numbers without Draymond? If he was a hooper, Draymond Green's absence wouldn't wouldn't affect his shooting or his numbers like that. That's what we doing? I'm just saying, dude. You going to call him not a hooper because of a number? You done, you done got on NBAStats.com. I don't tell you about the gridiron. You don't tell me about the hard. Wait a minute, though. No. Wait a minute. We talking about the greatest shooter of all time. You can't say he's not a hooper. You know what is that? Wait, wait, wait. You know who was a hooper? A straight-up hooper? Pete Maravich. As great as he could shoot, Pete Maravich was a hooper. He would go exactly. to the park. He would go to the park in the middle of the hood and hoop you to death. Steph can't go do that. I, that's my point. That's that's exactly my point. Steph is not about. Ain't nobody running cross screens at the park. Ain't nobody doing that. Ain't nobody Steph doing that at the park. Steph couldn't go to the to the to the park on Venice out here. He couldn't do it. What you mean? It's, just, it's too dangerous. He Steph. He's the best basketball player. In the world, you just can't show up to know. Dangerous, dude. Michael Jordan used to show up outside of Cabrini Green and hoop. What are you talking about? It's not not dangerous in safety. It's just dangerous in the sense that how is he would never be able to leave. 
It'll be the whole part. He wouldn't be able to even get out if he just showed up. Was like, hey, let me just. Do you understand you what it means with the difference between some that that dude's a hooper? Like he's just a straight up hooper. Like steps no, pretty no, no system, no system. Don't need a Draymond Green setting them screens and all that. He's just gonna get buckets no matter what. You so understand? So Anthony Edwards is Anthony Edwards a more of a hooper than Steph? Say it again. Is Anthony Edwards more of a hooper than Steph? Because I believe Anthony Edwards is a hooper in your definition. You just answered your own question. What do you I mean? You're gonna say no? No, no, I said you just answered your own question. No, no, no. I'm saying I think Anthony Edwards is a hooper, but also oh, think Steph, oh, but I also think Steph Curry is a hooper. You're at if you think Anthony Edwards is a hooper, I agree with you. But I'm saying he's the same hooper that Steph Curry is. He can get a basket anytime he knew he wants to. No, 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 no. You're missing my point. You keep missing my point. If Steph Curry was a true hooper, Draymond Green being out of the lineup would not impact his offense. It wouldn't. We got chemistry. Oh, hey, y'all just don't want to admit when cats <laughs> operate better in certain situations. You understand what I'm saying? If Steph was just, if he was a hooper that could just go get buckets no matter what, he wouldn't be shooting eight percentage points less from the field because Draymond Green's not on the court. Wait a minute. You can't say Steph's not a hooper because Steph yes, you can. Was, was a unanimous MVP. What does that have to do anything? It's a lot of skilled basketball players that are MVPs. Not a lot of there's not a lot of unanimous MVPs. Number one, number two, you're that means if that's true, that means you're saying that Steph's success is credited because of Draymond, and that's not true at all. No, no, no. I never said that. I never if said you're that. shooting eight percent less. Stop putting words in my mouth. If you're Steph, shooting eight percent less. Steph, Steph's numbers offensively are impacted when Draymond, who is the true point guard of that team, everything runs through him. He is the point forward of that team. He's the one that sets the best screens for Steph on that team. And now that he's gone and Wiseman's gone and Looney's been hurt, they don't have anybody to really set screens like that. And Steph has had to dribble and, and, and his usage is up, which affects his jump shot and his legs. It's, because it's, people are hurt, right? Because people are out of the lineup. Okay, but that okay. happens to anybody, though. No, that does not happen to anybody. Stop. Are you kidding me? Do you understand? Do you understand when people get hurt? LeBron James goes bonkers. LeBron James is not even a scorer. And when people get hurt, all of a sudden he's putting up 50 because he's a hooper. He, he'll go get buckets no matter who's on the court. He can hoop. LeBron James is not about a system and not about the people around him, man. And that's not disrespectful to the most skilled shooter in the history of basketball. Every time we say something, people have to stop getting defensive and taking it as disrespect, me saying Dame Lillard, Dame Lillard is a hooper. He's gonna go get buckets. 
you know how often CJ McCollum has McCollum has been hurt the last two years? Yeah. And Dane went and got buckets. But it didn't make a difference. Steph has gotten buckets without Draymond and Clay too, though. Show me. Remember when Clay wasn't you there last year? You talking about in the, pockets or consistent? Yeah, in pockets. Yes, in pockets. Yes, okay, in, pockets. in pockets. That's all I'm saying. In pockets. But but well, who's doing it? Who's doing it the whole year outside of LeBron James? What you mean? Evan Durant wasn't doing it the whole year out when everybody was going. Was he was doing it in pockets. You talking about in Brooklyn without Kyrie? And Harden. When he was oh, solo dolo. Bro, come on, man. You got to go look at last year what KD was doing in the regular He was, set. And he, was he was getting his points, but they weren't winning. The man was leading the league and scoring. What are you talking about? It wasn't winning, though. They lost. Come on, man. Steph Curry was like third in scoring in the league just over like a month and a half ago. Yeah. Now he's not even in the MVP race anymore. Yeah, because the injuries impacted him. That's just like Bron Bron. Thank you. That's all I was saying. And he's still the second greatest point guard of all time. But his injuries can't not make him a hooper, though. No, no, no. I didn't say his injuries. No, not his specific. I'm talking about the team around him injuries can't not make him a hooper because they because they're hurt. Come on, man. Donnie, Donnie. Come on, man. Stop. Donnie. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, Come no, on, no. Come nah, on, all right. Not, not, you're talking about people who can't shoot? <laughs> Donnie, man, look. If you're pinning, He's not even explosive like that. If you're pinning your hopes on R.J. Baird, come on, man. See, R.J. got messed up because Ja Morant came in right after and stole the young point guard Thunder. And Zion hurting, too, man. You got R.J. and Zion came in the league hurting, man. Yeah. Let's see. This, this is... Michael Campbell points out Steph Curry showed last year he could get his own. That's what I was saying. It was no play. Wait, wait, wait. Guess who wasn't hurt last year? (laughs) Clay was gone, but the point four of the offense wasn't hurt. So now, what I'm listen to me. Steph has a lot more on his plate right now. Listen to what I'm saying. And with him having a lot more on his plate is impacting his scoring because he doesn't. He doesn't. That's not how he gets his game on, dude. He's not just a hooper like that to just go get it. When you ask him to do more and his usage goes up, it impacts his shooting. He's all about skill and precision, man. That's his game, skill and precision. I come off this screen, you better not give me a centimeter of space. I hit you with this step back. I better not have a centimeter of space. I'm going to drop it on you. That's his game. That's his game. I'll give you a perfect example. He had so much usage on Saturday night. When it got to the fourth quarter, he didn't have anything left, bro. Because he had oh, to yeah. do so much. But he had to go back to Steve Kerr's bad at coaching, too. And what He's was that? Bad. I think it was last week. A game last week, he had zero field goal attempts in the fourth quarter and played eight minutes in the fourth quarter. He was gas, dude. He's gas. Once that usage goes up, it impacts his game. That's all I'm saying. Well, that's what any player. That's all I'm saying. I'm with that. I agree. 
you know. But he is man. He is skilled out the wazoo. He's he's might be the most him and Hakeem Olajuwon might be the two most skilled players I've ever seen. <laughs> and, and then KD. And then KD. And then KD. Well, Harden's pretty skilled too now. KD. Ooh, they look they look real good, don't they, bro? Yeah. I, what they did to what they did to my Bulls, they ain't do. They look real good. Bulls don't got superstars now. Well, first, and dude, three of our starters are out. So when we go I up, mean, against, even with them, they don't have an Embiid and a Harden though. Dude. When Harden want to play, it's hard. I, I don't see too many teams really beating them. Hmm. Because they, it's just know. like James Harden's like him and it's like with Clint times a thousand. So now you got Embiid that can go get you buckets that Clint couldn't do. Yeah. In Houston. Yeah. Now you just, it's like pick your poison because the spacing's right. That's true. That's true. We'll see, man. Eastern Conference should be, if we get a Philly Milwaukee Eastern Conference finals. Oh. That's they might have to set that up. They might have to set that up. That's gonna be nasty. Yeah, that's gonna be real nasty. Shout, be out, shout out to Jason Tatum, too. Shout out to Jason Tatum, shout out to Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart. That's a good team. Yo, good team on the street. Jason but that Philly series is that Philly series is lopsided now because Harden got there. Yeah, 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 yeah. And shout out to Adoka. Great first year coach for the Celtics. Shout out to Nia Long in the stands. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, yo. <laughs> and then, you know, Phoenix, I agree with you guys. Phoenix, uh, when they get healthy, Phoenix is the best team in the West. But I'll tell you this, though. I love my boy John Moran. Highlight reel. I love that dude. I just need him to stay healthy, bro. Yeah. He going he gonna, I mean, he just such a high impact player. It'd be hard for him not to get in the way of stuff, but he just making like Derrick Rose type highlights. That's what scares me. Mm-hmm. As a Chicago fan, that's what scares me. Because when I see him go up and I see something to strive. And he looks way higher than he should be. Yeah, he for real. You know. I'm just like, like LeBron man. going up is fine because he's six nine and shit, you know. Yeah, but John Morant is only like six three, maybe. Yeah, maybe six two. Yeah, yeah. and he's skinny, so we out. Don't forget yeah. the rest of the week. Our schedule is as follows: tomorrow, late start, eight o'clock Central Time. Our boy Rex Fluger. Is out there on the West Coast with Malik. So we got to get him. We have to give him time to get to the crib. He's going to join us tomorrow. Rex said he has some great stories. Rex said he remembers playing you guys. <laughs> yeah. So we got some great stories. We'll talk to Rex Fluger, former Notre Dame basketball player. Talk about this program and talk about, uh, yo, things are trending up. They'll be in a tournament. He just literally he just he just left Notre Dame this weekend. Mm-hmm. As I said before, because I think the basketball program is setting up um some NFT stuff as well. Mm. For Irish players. So he was there helping with that. So we'll talk about that. And Thursday, 
regular time, 5 o'clock p.m. Central, former Notre Dame quarterback Brandon Winbush is going to be on with us. Be Winbush. Friday, early, Friday. We're going to start a little bit earlier in the afternoon as I got Steve Wilfong joins us. We'll talk about every, get your questions ready. And it's, of course, for the Culture Friday, so we'll send the link out and we'll have fans come on the show and chop it up with us. As always, featuring and brought to you by Nora Whiskey, AnoraWhiskey.com, premium American whiskey, AnoraWhiskey.com. Thank you, LL Nation. Thanks for continuing to support us. We appreciate you guys. Smash the like button. Smash the like button. You guys have been doing a great job. All right? So for my man, the original Lucky Lefty himself, Malik Zaire, Sean Davis, man. We'll see you guys tomorrow. See ya. As we say always, spin it differently.